You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Mavericks for Wednesday, October 19th, exactly one week away from the start of the regular season in Indiana for your Dallas Mavericks against the Pacers. My name is Mike Marshall. Uh, you can follow me at Machine Sports on Twitter. You can follow the show at Locked On Mavs on Twitter. And uh, you can follow uh, my co-host, Jacob Kemp, at Not Jack Kemp on Twitter. Uh, I gave Jake the day off because today is the sixth preseason game on the schedule for the Dallas Mavericks and they're facing off against the Houston Rockets and uh, they get the Rockets today and then next Wednesday they start with the Pacers but then after that they have a back-to-back home and home against the Rockets so a lot of Rockets in the future a lot of Houston stuff going down so I wanted to uh, get an outside perspective so we got uh, Ben Dubose of uh, Locked on Rockets to uh, to join us for about 30 minutes it's a pretty lengthy discussion so uh, I'll just get to it here in just a minute. Just want to say thank you for listening. Uh, feel free to subscribe. Feel free to rate and review on iTunes or wherever you do on your Android. It's the Lockdown Podcast Network, and it's uh, your team, and it's every single day. So I hope you're enjoying it. Hope you're enjoying these little segments we do for you. And, uh, yeah, so let's just get to it. Here is my conversation with Ben Dubose of Locked on Rockets about uh, – not necessarily about the preseason game tonight, but about the uh, the matchup in the division and the first uh, two that are back-to-backs, or not back-to-backs, uh, home-and-homes uh, against the Rockets. So here you go, without further ado. Mike, how's it going today, man? Doing awesome, man. Excited for uh, you know regular season being less than a week away. Um, some games to actually break down that aren't uh, preseason variety. Uh, yeah, I'm really look, really looking forward to all that, man. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Getting ready for uh, plenty of games between our respective teams, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, first Mavs Rockets preseason game tomorrow night in Dallas. More importantly, next weekend there's a home and home. Friday in Dallas, Sunday in Houston, games two and three of the regular season. So, uh, yeah, Rockets and Mavs, always rivals, and definitely going to see a lot of each other over the next uh, 10 days. Um, As far as my main takeaways, I'm curious because the Mavs feel really different. Of course you have – you've got Dirk and you've got Rick Carlisle. That's the core, and that's not going to change for – you know, even with Dirk getting towards 40, it feels like Dirk and Carlisle are the core for the foreseeable future. Um, but as far as the new guys, Seth Curry, Harrison Barnes, Andrew Bogut, uh, preseason, just looking at the numbers for me, it feels like Seth Curry's kind of been a pleasant surprise. Harrison Barnes has been a little flat. Um, what's your assessment of how these new guys are playing? Well, Seth Curry is going to be a fan favorite. Maybe from day one, he might already be honestly um, with his style of play and how uh, his green light that he seems to have. Just whenever he touches the ball, he can create his own shots. Um, they're running a bunch of flare screens for him, 
And, I mean, just quite honestly, the health of the two point guards that are in front of him on the depth chart and Darren Williams and J.J. Barea kind of lends itself for him to catch more minutes than you might have anticipated. So I think green light, thumbs up, whatever you want to say for Seth Curry. I, I love his game. I love the contract. Yep. Um, I wish they had more dudes like that. That's kind of yes. something – that's kind of something Houston does, which is, you know, smart contracts like that. But uh, yeah. Harrison Barnes, I've been pretty disappointed, man. Um, and I got wind of it, I think, at media day um, whenever I asked him, you know, Chandler Parsons ran a ton of pick and roll ball handler possessions over the last couple of years. So did Ray Felton. Both those dudes are gone. There's going to be this collection of possessions um, that are probably going to start with a pick and roll and we need a ball handler for him. Is that going to be you? And he said, um, yeah, Rick's really strict about that. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I have the clearance to, you know, run pick and roll uh, as a ball handler right now. And I'm like, okay, well, how the hell are they going to use you? Yeah. And so far I've seen a bunch of backdoor cuts, a bunch of, um, you know, running off screens and attacking the basket. And that's all good and fine for a, uh, you know, your average um, three and D type wing. The problem is you paid him four years, $94 million. And he's probably mm -hmm. the future of your franchise. So not that high on Harrison Barnes, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, but you know, I don't think anybody expected huge things this season. I think the totals were going to be higher, but the percentages were going to be worse and it was going to be an adjustment year. So I can't, I can't dock him too much for that. And then Bogut, I'm supremely excited about Bogut. Um, it might be Bogut and then Seth Curry, um, yeah the two guys and maybe Justin Anderson in terms of dudes that I just want to see play basketball this year, because if Bogut's catching, you know, 25 minutes a game and it's contract year Bogut and he plays, um, you know, up to his paper on the defensive end and just gives you a little bit offensively and sets some excellent screens and, you know, toughens the, just hardens the defense. Um, no pun intended. Yeah. Uh, all, <laughs> all together. Um, I think you've got something that is better than people anticipated after once again, failing, in your free agent quest. And I wish they just stopped telling us who they're going after. Yeah. <laughs> just if it doesn't yeah. work out, it's fine. If you don't tell me you're going after Hassan Whiteside and Mike Conley. Right. But um, by no, uh, no fault of their own, they kind of landed on their feet with, with Bogut and Harrison Barnes yeah. and got and safe. Yeah. And it's worth noting that, you know, with Bogut, the Rockets went after him too, you know, it came out yeah. to the fact that the Rockets basically offered the same deal that, uh, that Dallas did. But of course, mm -hmm. There's no love lost between Bogut and the Rockets organization. They've had plenty of run-ins with him in the playoffs the last two years. So I don't think, uh, you know, Bogut was particularly fond of Houston. So Yeah, and, and the chance to start. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, they, they clearly have invested in uh, time and development in Clint Capella. Yeah. And, but they don't want Bogut stopping his progress. So it makes a ton of sense on so many fronts that he would yeah. come to Dallas. Um, your team has shaken up quite a bit, more than it has over the last couple of years. I'm interested in, you know – Eric Gordon, um, I'm interested in Ryan Anderson and how you feel about those dudes and how much money they invested in them and just how they're going to work out on this, you know, Mike D'Antonio team. Yeah, uh, Anderson is going to get uh, a pretty big challenge early with Dirk. That's what you want to see. You know, you've heard about Anderson for years. They wanted to stretch for. They've made runs in the past at him and via trade. Of course, they had their uh, ill-fated pursuits of Chris Bosh and Lamarcus yep. Aldridge in free agency. Uh, but on the offensive end of the floor, I mean, Anderson's had moments this preseason where he just looks fantastic, where he can put up 20 points in about six minutes, it, right. you know, can light it up. The concern with him is on the defensive end and, uh, you know, Dirk's a guy the Rockets have 
you know, he's given them problems for over a decade now. And, you know, the best matchup for them has been maybe Trevor Ariza uh, going small. That's when they've had their best success on Dirk, I feel like. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, who can Ryan Anderson guard? That's going to be a... um, that's going to be the big question for him. I actually feel like if Anderson and Gordon are both healthy, um, I think Gordon's going to be the better player, even though Anderson's paid $80 million and Gordon uh, making $53 million over four years. Gordon's looked really good. Uh, we've heard good things about his health. He's a good secondary ball handler behind Harden. That's something they haven't really had uh, the last couple of years, really since they lost Chandler Parsons to uh, – to the Mavs two years ago. You know, yeah. that's the last time you had a secondary creator after Harden. Uh, Gordon's shooting the ball really well. It's one of those things you always have to knock on wood because Gordon's had a tendency, not just the chronic knee situations, but just the most random injuries of the world. You know, he was playing yeah. really well last year in New Orleans and he breaks a finger. So if he's healthy, I would actually think Gordon's the higher impact guy. I think Anderson... Uh, he fills, he fills a role because certainly in a Mike D'Antoni offense, you'd like to have a stretch forward that can space and give the guards the room to operate that he wants. But he's got some pretty clear deficiencies on defense. And at this point in his career, uh, it's certainly not like his athleticism is going to get better. So I just see, you know, I saw the signing of Anderson as something they had to do to basically counteract the narrative. Because I'm sure you guys in Dallas love hearing all the bad press out of Houston these past few months. And there was so much of a negative uh, kind of stereotype surrounding the Rockets franchise, James Harden, that even though they they knew they were overpaying for Ryan Anderson, I think it's something that they had to do to, um, you know, just get someone on board. And then, of course, sometimes you just need a win. Yeah, I mean, they needed a free agent success story. So they got him. Also, by getting him, that's what uh, cleared the decks to get Gordon, too. So I would say my expectations aren't too high for Ryan Anderson. I just see him as a 30 minutes per game stretch for he's got his defensive limitations. Gordon, I'm a little more uh, more bullish on because, uh, to me, he can be that secondary creator on offense since they haven't really had since losing Parsons two years ago. Are they going to start Gordon? I've heard, um, I know Beverly's been out a little while. Yeah, that's that's where I'm kind of curious to see. And that that really ties into, you know, these first few matchups with the Mavs. Because, yeah, Beverly, it's been really weird what's gone on with the Pat Beverly situation. Because we first heard about it uh, two weeks ago today, like Tuesday the 4th. They had a preseason game with the Knicks. And they announced right before the game that, you know, he just had a little bit of knee soreness. He was out as a precaution. And that he also wasn't going to take the trip to China. But, again, they just framed it as purely precautionary. You know, there's no reason for a guy to travel halfway around the world for preseason games if he's got a nagging injury, yada, yada. And everybody just assumed that once the team got back to Houston, he'd be ready to go. Well, lo and behold, here we are. It's two weeks later. Been back in Houston almost a week. And there's still no Pat Beverly. Now, they're not telling us what's going on. It's not like he's in hiding or something. Like, he's been at practice, you know, riding a bike and stuff like that. We just hear you know, left knee irritation. But what's interesting about it is he's a really essential guy to what the Rockets want to do because he's really the only guy that can be a point guard on defense. You know, there's been a big deal calling James Harden the point guard of the team. Uh, D'Antoni's officially adopting that. But really, that's just on the offensive end of the floor. Defensively, Beverly is the only guy who can check those types of uh, point guards. So what's gone on is that the since Beverly's been out, they started Eric Gordon one game, and Gordon and Harden worked fine offensively, 
The problem was that neither of those guys are really laterally quick enough to guard, say, a J.J. Barea, someone mm-hmm. that's really, you know, kind of quick off the dribble. Maybe Seth Curry, too, even. But you know what I'm saying? Like, these point guards that are just, you know, quick probing guys are just a little bit too... Uh, oh, it, yeah. You know, I don't think Gordon's quick enough. Harden might can, but honestly, if you're asking Harden to check point guards, you're going to wear him down. Uh, yeah, he can't play that hard on both ends of the court. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you're going to run not being able to Not being able to stop point guards like that that can cause, like, critical mass failures on your yeah. defense... Yeah. Man, they got they got they need they need a solution for that, and I'm yeah. sure Beverly and, Beverly might be fine uh, eventually, but that's going to be yeah. a real issue. And see, the issue they saw this after that first game in New Orleans. That was by far the worst game the Rockets had defensively in the preseason. Gave up like 117 points. So the next two games, they put Gordon back to his six man role, and they started KJ McDaniel's next to Harden. Okay. But what happened with that is that you know now Harden's your only ball handler on the floor. So when the Rockets played. Uh, Memphis this past weekend what mm-hmm. Memphis did they started doing full court press they trapped and basically they got a ton of early turnovers because quite frankly they realized you know what if we force the ball out of Harden's hands there's nobody yeah. bring the ball up the floor so it's kind of like you know it's until Beverly gets back it's a damned if you do damned if you don't situation because you put mm-hmm. in Gordon and you're sacrificing a little defensively you put in uh, McDaniels and you don't have a secondary ball handler my guess as to what they do I'm guessing they're just going to have to start Gordon and live with the defensive deficiencies. Because to me, you know, if you start Harden and then, you know, your other guys are KJ McDaniels, Trevor Ariza, and Ryan Anderson, a good X's and O's coach like Rick Carlisle is just going to, you know, trap the hell out of that lineup. And all of a sudden the Rockets are just going to be in a tough spot because, you know, Carlisle will just force somebody else to bring the ball up the floor. Yeah, I think that's, um, if Beverly's not your starting point guard, I think that takes just being mediocre on defense completely off the table for that roster. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can you can lean on Beverly, Ariza, and Capella and say they can make up for a lot of what the other two dudes um will leave um around the rim and even, you know, Ariza along the perimeter. But if you have to start Eric Gordon, I think you're already feeding into the narrative of uh this team is not gonna pull their weight defensively, thus they don't have a chance to compete um in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's a completely different issue than the Mavs have. They're almost the complete opposite of they can't create their own shot consistently um, outside of Dirk, uh, pick and pop. And defensively, I hope I, – I assume they'll be better. I mean, you put Harrison Barnes out there who's a plus defender over, yes. over Parsons and has definitely more flexibility guarding the two through four and maybe even, you know, backup fives at times. And then Justin Anderson takes a step along and then Bo gets back there. Uh, cleaning up anything else. So, like, as similar as they might end up in um, – or as similar as they did end up in record last year, uh, one-game difference, I think their their styles are so – Yeah. So complete polar opposites. Yeah. And, see, that's what I go back to. When I think of, you know, when the Rockets have had trouble with the Mavs, and I'll go back to the most recent matchup, there was a big game down the stretch of the year in April. I'm sure you remember um, mm-hmm. that Dallas won by two points over the Rockets. Um you know, up in Dallas and the way it happened, it was a game in the eighties and these last couple of years, especially with James Harden, the Rockets have more firepower. As you Mm -hmm. said, they've got more guys that can just create off the dribble. Well, I don't know if more in numbers, but well, they have James Harden and the Mavs don't really have anyone uh, at that level offensively. So when the Mavs have had success and I'll go back to the, uh, the playoff series in 2015 as well, 
Mm-hmm. There was one notable exception, you know, game four, I, the one game the Mavs won in that series. Yeah, they scored 130 points. But by and large, the last couple of years, when the Mavs was a success against the Rockets, Rick Carlisle has been able to muck it up. He's yep. been able to just make it a slow, stagnant, half-court game. And the Rockets are a team they don't really like to grind, so to speak. And it's been able to get the Rockets out of sorts. And my take on it, now some of it's going to change because I thought last year, um, I thought la- last year in the matchups, Rick Carlisle coached circles around J.B. Bickerstaff. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I think J.B. might be a good coach in time, but certainly he was young and raw. And I thought Rick Carlisle just... Uh, coach circles around him, especially in the uh, more meaningful games late in the year. Uh, Mike D'Antoni, of course, is a lot a, a lot more veteran, a lot more proven. However, my guess is that, uh, you know, when Carlisle draws up a game plan to, you know, defend or play against the Rockets, it's going to be pretty similar because a Mike D'Antoni team, you know they want to get up and down the floor, score a lot of points, make it a game of transition. And for the Mavs, I would think the goal is the same as when they took the court against the Rockets in April. Make it as slow and muck it up as you can. And, you know, when you've got these veterans like Dirk, like J.J. Barea, um, you may have a good opportunity to do it. Yeah, they did that last year um, whenever Parsons went out with his knee injury. They started – they slowed the pace down to just like a grinding halt, but it allowed them to execute more crisply on offense and actually um, make each each possession more valuable. And it was just – it was weird to watch because, they, I mean, that's contrary to everything we've known from the Dallas Mavericks since basically yeah. big Don Nelson all the way to now. Um, but it worked because they're veteran players and they have defensive flexibility now even more than they did last year. The thing that interests me is thinking back to that playoff series you mentioned. Um, in that playoff series, the Mavs got, you know, just drug off the court a couple games, and it was because of the Rockets' insistence on figuring out who is Dirk guarding and initiating a pick and roll with that man, yep. whether it be a four or five. Now this year it's going to be Ryan Anderson, and they don't have that, um, mm-hmm. you know, that dearth of wing players that can initiate a, a pick and roll with, you know, Josh Smith, uh, even Dwight, you know, all those guys. And it's going to be Ryan Ter- Anderson, Terrence Jones too, Terrence Jones, people. yeah. Make fun exactly. of him. He had a big playoff series. No, Steph. I would have loved. I would have loved the Mavs to add Terrence Jones. Like he, he can play a little bit. I have no problem with him off the bench. But it's going to be Ryan Anderson who who uh, Dirk is guarding, and that kind of cuts us loose a lot. You know what I mean? It gives us tons of leeway on the defensive end of the court in terms of whenever they play the Rockets. Of course, other teams might <laughs> end up end up nuking that uh, that mismatch of whoever whoever Dirk's guarding. But I look forward to that. I look forward to see what they do. Um, since they can't just pick at Dirk possession after possession yeah. after possession. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what you mean because, it, you know, it's not that Dirk can't defend the stretch four, mm-hmm. but a stationary stretch four like Ryan Anderson, it's a world's different level defending versus what the Rockets used to do to him, which was make him move. Yeah, it's turned into a foot race. Yeah, Dirk is perfectly capable of going out to the three-point line and getting a hand, a hand in the face where Dirk had problems with the Rockets was that they would make him move laterally, uh, you know, switch that kind of stuff. And with Ryan Anderson in the game, it's a lot simpler game plan for Dirk. Yeah. I would agree with that. What I think the Rockets might do, um, they are going incredibly small, which right. uh, I think a lot of people saw that coming with Mike D'Antoni. But, like, right now in the preseason, um, Nene is technically the backup center enlisting, mm-hmm. but they're also playing a lot of Montrezl Harrell. And their backup power forward right now, 
Uh, Mati Yunus still isn't signed. He's right. I, he'll probably sign at some point, but who the hell knows what's going on with that? Um, right now, their backup power forward is Sam Decker. So yeah. that's going to be one of those interesting things where um, I think the Mavs are a team that the Rockets are going to try to, um, you, you know, beat with with speed. Some of these mm-hmm. quicker lineups with Decker and Harrell up front, and it's just going to be a situation where. You know, can you score offensively more than you give up defensively? Because, yeah. of course, Decker and Harrell, you know, yeah, you can present a lot of problems for uh, Dirk in that way. You know, Decker is a good example of someone who might be able to, um, it, you know, create in the pick and roll game because he's a creator, very athletic, that kind of stuff. But then you ask Decker or Harrell to check Dirk on the other end of the floor, and right. yeah, it's going to get dicey. So it's a matter of can you score enough to offset the, um, the, the defensive liability there. Yeah, and I think for the first time in a long time, the Mavs could probably match um, small ball lineups like that with Justin Anderson sliding in at the three, sure. bumping Barnes up to the four, and rolling Dwight Powell up there if you're uh, if you're playing, say, the Rockets. You know, some teams that might not work, but yeah. I think I think that'll be the matchup that that ends up. They'll, Mavs will adjust. They'll get Dirk off the court probably if you yeah. start rolling in like Decker and he's chasing Decker around or Harrell around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, that. Those second units, like that's going to be a very interesting uh, battle early on in the in the yeah. season between them. Yep. The other, uh, yeah, the other Mavs Rockets thing we hadn't talked about. You got two big name veterans that I don't think either of us have mentioned yet in Deron Williams and Wes Matthews. Mm-hmm. And Wes Matthews, especially, is uh, over the course of his career, he's given Harden some trouble at times. Back when yep. Houston played Portland in the playoffs, he was a good defender of him. Now, last year, Matthews was coming off the Achilles. Um, I mean, he had moments, but clearly he wasn't all the way back. Um, Matthews and Duran, have you Mm -hmm. seen anything new from them? Are they the same guys as they were last year? Are you seeing any improvement these first couple of uh, weeks of preseason? Wes kind of looks like a new guy. He doesn't look quite like 2014 Portland Wes. But he's not the same dude as last year. Okay. Last year, last year playing, you know, he played 33 minutes a game, and he didn't miss a game uh, early in the season, coming off an Achilles tear, and he just did, never had his legs. Like if you watched him, it was really odd watching a player who you knew would not put the ball on the deck and take it at the basket. And like his strength, he can compensate for a lot of stuff because he's really strong on defense. Uh, whenever someone like actually gets steps a foot inside the uh, inside the arc and like tries to challenge him, but I, I'm expecting a lot better. I mean, he can't be much worse, quite honestly. <laughs> um, he was like 50th in PER for shooting guards last year, and if you have a you know 50th in PER level shooting guard that's catching almost 34 minutes a game, it's gonna sap your offense. Like, there's no way around it. And he wasn't good last year. Like, he'll tell you he wasn't good. He was frustrated. He probably shouldn't have came back that early. And he'll admit that now, but he's a dude that wanted to, you know, you pay me all this money, I'm going to play for it. And this year, I think he's going to have his legs. And I think he's going to attack the basket a little bit. So you can't just, you know, stay on stay on your toes whenever you defend him and expect him to just shoot uh, a contested three-pointer. So I'm very excited about what Wes can give. If, he, if we get 80% of Portland West Matthews, I think that's a drastic improvement over what we got last year. Um, and then uh, and then Darren Williams, like, I don't know, man. He's so – he's been trying to take over, like, because the offense is so stagnant at moments. He feels like he's the guy that's, like, supposed to create this offense. And that's yep. a very dangerous thing to me 
because his offensive go-to is like pull up from like a uh, free throw line extended. Right. Right. And I'm like, that's not, you know, that's not a quality shot. That's not a quality look every once in a while, you know, he'll make a good move and go behind his back and uh, get to the glass. And, you know, that's, you know, that's pretty sweet whenever he does it, but it's pretty rare as well. Um, and he's just, just serviceable enough for me. Um, obviously a supremely talented player uh, has been shooting the three a lot better uh, this year than last year. And he's like perfectly league average point yeah. guard to me, you know, uh, if you're going to catch, you know, 30 plus minutes a night at the point guard position on a team that's, uh, you know, was top, I think it was 11th in offensive rating last year, but this year they might be 15 or something. You're going to, your point totals and your assist totals are going to be up there. I just, he's not good defensively. And I don't think we'll ever see good defensive uh, Darren Williams for the rest of his career. Yeah. And that's where he's potentially a liability against the Rockets yeah. is despite their defensive deficiencies. Certainly uh, Eric Gordon and James Harden are both very good. Offensive oh yeah. Players. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Like we don't have a, we don't have a point guard stopper yeah. in any way. I mean, you what do you want to throw Brea in there? You want to throw yeah. Seth Seth Curry in there? Yeah. Like, you, I mean, stopping the penetration from you know the top of the key is a, is as important as you know denying uh, a good look at the basket. So I don't have an answer for that. Like, and they don't have an answer for that on their roster unless you want West to start guarding point guards. Yeah. You know. Mike, this has been good. Let's close this out with uh, two predictions. I'll go first. Um, how did? You know, how do these two games go, the regular season games? I'm not going to ask you to pick a preseason game because, come on. <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, pick the two the two games. You know, do the Mavs go 2-0, and 1-1, 0-2? And then over-under, I'm going to give you, you know, both teams, I'm going to say 42 wins, which is right mm-hmm. over, you know, do you go over or under? For me, I'm going to... I'm going to take the easy way out. I'm going to say one and one on the two regular season matchups because I think the Rockets have a lot of explosion and I think they certainly shouldn't go 0 and 2. However, I also think the Rockets have a lot of new pieces, a lot of defensive questions, especially without Pat Beverly. And uh, winning a game at Dallas is probably, uh, you know, they certainly could do it, but it's not one that I would uh, bet a lot of money on. So I'd count on the Rockets and Mavs to split the difference. And then as far as, um, As far as the season as a whole, I would go over for the Rockets just because I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of undue pessimism based on um, how much they underachieved a year ago. My take is that the Rockets, you know, they overachieved two years ago when they won 56 games. They were a two seed. And so that led to expectations that were you know, a little inflated going into last year, but they certainly underachieved uh, last year. You know, last year's record, the sum of the parts was, um, the sum of the parts just didn't add up to 41 wins. It's just chemistry. Dwight actually a lot of stuff was going on. I just think there's more talent in place than a 42-win team, which is what the, um, you know, the Vegas over-under has it. So I'll pose the same two questions from you before we sign off. I think the Rockets are going to be a healthy amount above 42 wins. I think I predicted uh, 48 uh, or 49 whenever we did our um, win total over-under. The Mavericks are going to be right around 42. I think I had 43 or 44, so I'll go over on both of those. And then, um, yeah, I think they'll split. Um, and I don't know if it might be reverse order because this matchup's really weird. Um, but I think the Mavericks actually, they're not as talented as the Rockets, and they're not quite as deep. But they do match up really well with them. Um, and 
the Rockets are going to be better over a long, a longer period of time than the Mavericks because they're just more talented. They have a top, you know, five, six, seven player in the league. Um, they're younger. They have more <laughs> depth. But in certain matchups, I mean, you know, Rick Carlisle is going to try and ugly it up. He's going to make you play into his hand, and they match up better with the Rockets than they do, honestly, most teams uh, in the Western Conference now because of the addition of you know Ryan Anderson. Um, that leaves a lot of a lot of doors open from the Mavericks front. And if you if you don't mind, I was going to hit you with my two final uh, Rockets questions. Oh yeah, go ahead. If that works for you, okay. So there's always each year there's always some dude on the Rockets that's uh, super young, uh, a, a sneaky good draft pick um, that uh, that just pisses us off. <laughs> like which which okay so which one of the young guys is going to uh, annoy me the most this season and then. Um, what are your ideas of Clint Capella not being able to play final four minutes of games because of his, uh, his free throw issues? It, yeah, the last one is actually my biggest worry for the Rockets this year. I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, there's so much of the NBA analytics community is so bullish on Capella because, you know, on paper, he's a great fit with Harden. He runs the pick and roll. He's willing to do all the things that Dwight Howard wasn't. Um, but the bottom line is if you shoot in the 30s, you're not playable late in close games, and mm-hmm. coaches like Rick Carlisle will burn you on it. And so, for all the positives, he's got to get better. Now, the Rockets aren't that worried about it because you know his form is actually pretty decent. And when you look at when he went down to the D League two years ago, played most of his rookie year there, um, he shot like sixty percent. So they think it's going to come up, but it's and they think that you know a combination of small sample size plus a young player that's probably pressing is why he's been in the thirties. But you know what, until he does it, it's a very viable question. So right. that's why I, you know, that's why I think they've been playing both Harold and Nene a lot at center in the preseason is because there's going to be games. There's a possibility, especially early in the year that, um, yeah, Capella isn't playable. It's a big, it's a big drawback because you know, Carlisle is not going to hesitate to do that at all. He's done it plenty with both uh, Josh Smith and Dwight Howard the past couple of years in this oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, the other one, I know he's not technically a rookie. He's close to it because he didn't play that much last year. But I'm so going to go with Montrez Harrell being the guy that mm. the young guy that infuriates Mavs fans because Harrell gets chippy with everyone. I don't oh, know if yeah. you noticed that. You know, he got suspended in the D League last year for having that altercation with another team, and then there was an official that got in the way. And you know, now he's playing center. And um, you know, the flip side, of course, you know that Rockets fans hate Andrew Bogut, absolutely hate him. Yeah. And I just see, um, I could definitely foresee at various times this year, uh, Bogut and Harold getting into, you know, the kind of scrap where, you know, no one's dirty. They're each just doing their own brand of how they play. But <laughs> right. It's kind of, but it's the kind of thing where, uh, you know, Rockets fans will despise Bogut and Mavs fans will, will hate Harold because Harold's the kind of guy that just loves to get under your skin. And he plays with, you know, he plays with so much energy. And he's one of these guys, you know, he'll get the dunk and he'll, you know, he'll taunt the bench, he'll taunt the crowd, that kind of stuff. So I'll go, I'll go out and let and say uh, Montrose Harold is the next uh, hated Rocket in Dallas. <laughs> Bogut already got a tech. He got teed up the other night against Marquise Chris because he dunked on him real good <laughs> one time, and Bogut didn't like it the second time. So, yeah, I can see I can see maybe even uh, tomorrow night. Maybe even uh, – maybe Yeah, even we'll do win- it in the preseason. <laughs> Wednesday yeah. night. Might go ahead and get that out of the way. And I yeah. honestly – I wanted the Mavericks to take uh, Montrez Harrell whenever they took Justin Anderson. Like, I had three dudes in there, um, and I think uh, Harrell – I wanted Bobby Portis and then – 
uh, Montrez Harrell, and then Justin Anderson, and they went with my third out of three, which, you know, only time will tell. But, uh, yeah, I really like his game, man. He is nasty. Yep. He, yeah, he, nasty is the word. <laughs> he's a, mm-hmm. I, I believe he's already picked up a, a tee in the preseason, had a couple of, uh, you know, poster dunks the other night, and which he flexed for the Memphis bench, all that kind of <laughs> stuff. Uh, the question, he's getting better, though. Uh, right. The question for him as a rookie uh, he just was not very good on the defensive end of the floor at all. But not I think really. he's a guy that feels tailor-made for the Mike D'Antoni system. Uh, you know, kind of a, you know, I hate these kind of comparisons. I'll say a poor man's Amari Stoudemire, and I'm certainly, because then people are going to say, well, you're saying Montrose Harrell is Amari Stoudemire. No, I'm just talking, <laughs> right. I, I'm just talking loosely in terms of style of play. But, yeah. uh, it, you know, I'll say Amari with the Knicks in terms of his defensive liabilities. But if there's ever a coach that can uh, – you know, play up the offensive into the floor to hide that defensive, uh, you know, weakness, D'Antoni would be the one. So I think that's potentially a, uh, a pretty good mix for the Rockets. Anyway, Mike, thank you. Awesome. so much. Thank you so much for the time, buddy. Uh, Absolutely. I guess to, yeah, to close out, I'll, yeah, anybody that doesn't know me, I'm Ben DuBose. I report for Sports Talk 790 in Houston. You can follow me on Twitter at, um, well, at Ben DuBose, and I'm the host of Locked on Rockets. You can follow at Locked on Rockets. Mike, why don't you throw out your plugs as well? Yeah, for sure. I host the uh, Locked On Mavericks. Um, obviously, you know what that is if you're listening to this. True. Uh, it's a daily, daily, uh, daily little segment every day for you, so you can check that out. Um, you can follow me at Machine Sports on Twitter, and I work at uh, Sports Radio 1310, The Ticket in Dallas, Texas. You can listen to my show called Not a Podcast on 10 to <laughs> noon every I, I Saturday. Love- I love that name. I saw it earlier today. Uh, <laughs> not a podcast, a hell of a name for a radio show. Anyway, yeah, exactly. Mike, thanks so much for the time. I appreciate it. Looking forward to the uh, three games, then. Absolutely, man. Thanks so much. Sure.